This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey everybody, Civilized Barking. Um, been kind of quiet, but we're back today for a reason, potentially a big reason. Uh, Jason, I wouldn't call this an emergency podcast. Um, obviously the first wave of free agency was four or five weeks ago. Um, Jadavian Clowney is a big piece for the Browns. He's a big name. He's potentially a big impact player. There is a level of concern. I'm, I'm, I'm on the big theme. Is it big? I don't know. We'll talk about it. Um, of the things to analyze, of the things to argue, I would start with this. If you trust Andrew Barry, and Andrew Barry in 15 months has given everybody listening reason to trust him, then you feel good about what this could potentially mean. We'll get into what it signals, right? How it might break down. But I just think it comes to this. If you trust Andrew Barry, you're really happy with the offseason and you're really happy with this latest edition. Well, I knocked it out of the park for in terms of the entire free agent uh, period. Yeah. I, and, you know, it's it's fascinating to me the way that, you know, Jadavian talked today about the way that Andrew pursued him and how aggressively that Barry pursued him. And, you know, I guess I, I wrote about it yesterday, kind of assuming this was going to happen. And, you know, to me, go in with low expectations and hopefully you'll be pleasantly surprised. You know, don't think that you're getting the Jadavian Clowney of his rookie year or, you know, the number one overall pick, because I'm not sure that guy's still in there anymore. Uh, you know, we've got quite a few years of proof now that haven't really met the standard of what you expect when you hear his name. So go in with low expectations. And, you know, if he's if he is a terrific at stopping the run, which, you know, he has been in the past, if he can stay healthy, if he can play all 16 games, you might really run into something here that that's super beneficial. I just think you need to have realistic expectations going into it. Well, I hear what you're saying, but I'm going to give you a couple of reasons. It's hard to do that. One being Go just ahead. a year ago, this guy wouldn't take the Browns calls, right? Yep. Yep. Two being, if I go with the lowest of expectations, they just got a starting defensive end who's played at a high level, not a super high level for consistent periods of times, but has played in big games, has proven himself worthy of being a plus defender in all areas, and in flashes has dominated, right? Those those are the low expectations. Yep. Just by taking it a little bit higher, you're freeing up Miles Garrett. You're freeing up the defensive coordinator. And even if he doesn't play 17 games, like this is a guy that could make big impact plays. And more than anything else, Jason, like – Okay, does this move help you in beating Lamar Jackson and beating Patrick Mahomes? Well, on paper it does. On this podcast it does. And on paper and on this podcast, like that's what it's supposed to be all about, right? The Browns have arrived at that avenue. If he's on the field for those games, yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I, I just, you know, like I said, I, I just look and I say, I trust Andrew Barry. I trust Kevin Stefanski. I trust these guys. So I don't need to see Jadavion Clowney in the Great Lakes Classic. I don't need to see him play 30 snaps, 40 snaps, 50 snaps in weeks one and two. Yep. I need to see him in the big moments, right? He'll be listed in the starting lineup. He'll be out there. But I just, I guess what I'm saying is if he has a quad strain and misses a week, I don't care. You know, 
Um, the op- and I don't even think this is a super optimistic view. The view is he can impact games in major ways. The Browns went after J.J. Watt, A, because they, they're good, and B, because they wanted the option of moving guys around, putting guys on the same side at times, or putting one of these guys inside and telling offenses, we've put you in a must-pass situation, now block us. And it doesn't have to be for 17 games. He can do that. He can free up Miles Garrett, and that could be really scary. Here's – don't you think if we were hosting a Tennessee Titans podcast a year ago at this time, we would be having the same conversation. If we were having the Seattle Seahawks podcast two years ago at this time, would we be saying the same things? See where I'm going? I don't want to poo-poo all over this because yes. I think it could be a wonderful sign. But let's look at realistically let's look at the track record and let's look at what's what's transpired the last couple of years why are all these teams moving on from him if this is all the case well the browns don't have any more room in the trophy case for their previous off-season championships <laughs> we both know that but and listen i as you know i am the first one to say i'm going to stop short of saying this signals this or this signals this yes you because are. guys go yep. where they get paid right and in yep. the off-season specifically in the nfl which dominates the calendar in many months and really owns it for the four or five months when actually games are being played. You know, every offseason signing gets celebrated, overanalyzed, all of those things. And you're right. I mean, looking at his track record, he has played one full season. Looking at what he did last year, he got $15 million for eight games and no sacks. Yes. I'm just saying, when I look at how this defensive line is going to look, when they get off the bus, when they oh, line yeah. up and he's there and Miles is on the other side, when he can be moved around and Tack McKinley can be brought in, when you got the chance at either 26 or 59 to add another 6'5", 260-pound freak in that group, like this is really positive. I, I said and I wrote the same things about the Watt flirtation in many ways that you wrote and, or, and are saying now. It comes with risk. We don't know if he's the same guy. He's probably on the downside. But any way you shake it out, the Browns were going to be better off with J.J. Watt on the field. And you're right. Like, would the Seattle fans and podcasters and Tennessee fans and podcasters say the same thing? Yes. But right now, presuming he's going to be on the field and knowing what we know, which is that he passed a physical eight hours ago in Cleveland and signed a big contract today, then we assume that he's going to be. And that makes the Browns better. Um it's a defense that needed to get a bunch better. This isn't the be-all, end-all, right? We, we should not be parade planning. But this makes the Browns better, and this gives them a better chance to win big games. Can I ask a stupid question that I just thought of? That I mean, I ask stupid questions all the time, so I'm going <laughs> to ask this one anyway. Can you? I don't know why I just thought of this. Could, could they play all three of those guys at the same time? On certain um, snaps, in certain and certain downs, yes. And you know, first I would say I think an overlooked or under-reported um, view of this is that between this and, and the uh, Anthony Walker signing, like they needed to get better on the run to open that up. But yes, I, I mean, I think they envision Tack McKinley on one edge, Miles on the other, and Clowney inside, or Clowney on one edge, McKinley and Miles occasionally inside. Um, it has to be third and must pass for that, and it has to be a situation where you are trying to exploit um, a backup rookie guard that's in the game, right? Or 
take away from a team that has spent most of the day getting that extra tight end or always devoting that running back to Miles' side. So, um, yeah, they could do that. Now, I, I will go back and say I, I had to chuckle when Jadavian was talking and he said, you know, I, I don't want to be double teamed. I mean, this is a guy that played with J.J. Watt in his prime. So it's exactly. not like he was always getting double teamed. Right? Exactly. Let's not ignore that. But yes. let's also not ignore the fact that we saw Miles last year before Olivier Vernon got good dominate games and win games for the Browns. Not He didn't yep. win them single-handedly. They scored in the 40s, but he made game-changing plays. So if Clowney frees, Clowney frees him up to do more of that, or if Clowney gets to make one or two himself that Olivier Vernon or a mere mortal would not make, then they're on to something. And I just think the overall athleticism of the group, and, 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 I, and I can't argue with you that the injury thing, the health thing, hangs over everything. But all you can do in April and in March and May, you can't win any championships. You can envision what it looks like. And this defensive line is going to look really scary um, to opposing teams. When, when you were talking earlier, I was thinking, I was hearkening back to my NBA days about load management when you're talking about you doesn't need to play in the Great Lakes Classic and don't really need him for weeks one and two. Are we talking NBA load management here for Genevieve and Clowney of put him on a, on a pitch count early in the season? And, and try and, and make sure that he's healthy for November, December, and January? I mean, can't you just envision um, Cleveland Sports Radio melting down, right? Like, Well, I, I, that's easy to envision. <laughs> yes. I knew the guy was a bump. Like, look, um, Sheldon Richardson is, is in his age 30 season. You know, Clowney's 28 and um, might be more like 32, right? We've got a yep. huge investment in Miles Garrett. Like we've added the seventeenth game. I, I I trust in deep death to Barry Stefanski. I trust in the Browns. It still sounds a little bit weird to say. I trust, <laughs> right? And, and, and this comes with a disclaimer that just because they handled everything great last year doesn't necessarily mean they'll handle everything great this year. Oh, they're but, gonna miss. Yeah, right. they're gonna have misses. Sure, but don't you think there's gonna be a plan? There's gonna be a pitch count. I mean, I. I'm going to go ahead and write the article about the cornerbacks. This frees them up to draft about the trade ups and downs. This frees them up to pursue because they don't need a starting defensive end on day one anymore. Right. Right. But like, I still could see them taking a really young defensive end and with the whole goal of just have him ready for November. Cause those are the games you're going to remember anyway. Right. Like have him ready to do his 20 and occasionally his 40 when Clowney can only go 20 because we're thinking about December and we're thinking about January. Okay, so when we're when after week 17 in January, when, when we sit down and we pull up the numbers and we look at the numbers, what numbers – this is probably unfair, but I'm going to ask you anyway. What numbers does Jadavian have to have and you would say this was a successful season? Do you measure it that well, way or are you going to measure it a different way? Before I tell you that's a difficult question, it is an interesting one. Um and it is a fair one to ask, I think, you know, at least in some realm, right? I, um, I think in a way you could combine them with Miles' numbers. Um, okay. Yeah, you have to see how teams block him. Um, remember the Browns on fourth down last year? They never got off the field. Um, yep. remember, remember the Browns on third down? They rarely got off the field. And, and <laughs> some of the games just went off the rails because they, they cashed in early turnovers, a couple that Miles created, right? And they just turned them into wild shootouts. Um, the Steelers handed them 21 points before they decided to play, right? 
but the Browns still dominated that game. I mean, I, I, I just think, I think he changes how teams attack you on third and fourth and short, which is huge. And I think just by having a decent season and playing in 12 games, I think he has five sacks. Um, okay. And yeah, I, I mean, I think those are, I think that's a little bit of baseline expectation meeting a little bit of holy crap. This, this could be really good expectation without it being, you know, a double digit number in sex. Does that make right. sense? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and, and I guess, you know, maybe that maybe the question should be how many games do we expect him to play in? You know, I, I, I don't think 17 is realistic. He's going to miss a game here or there. If they get, if they get the 12 out of them that you said, if they're the right 12, that's a win to me. If he's on the field in November and December and January, that's a win. Yeah, and then I the mean, numbers will come. I believe the numbers will come if he's on the field for the big games late yeah, in the season. The issue with projecting that is, okay, hey, he's had a couple of big games and the knee's been bulky and we're going to rest him this week just because we need him for the stretch run. Or, right. oh, shit, he's had three dominant games in a row and he tore his meniscus and he's out for the season. Right. You know, like, that's the issue there. Um, you know, look, going back to what was it, Miles' second year and Greg Williams was playing him 90% of the time because they had no one else. It was it oh, was insanity. Yeah, that was right? insane. Yep. <laughs> um, Him and Ogan Joby played like every snap. Yes, they did. They did. And Larry got to his contract year and did not have a very good year. Um, yep. You know, Miles Garrett is not human in the way that you and I and anybody listening is, but he's still a little bit human. <laughs> I, I, that I trust that there's a plan. And I trust that the moment the season ended, they put Jadavian, his name and his film up on the board. They put J.J. Watt, his name and his film up on the board. They put Carl Lawson, his, you know what I mean? And they said, okay, depending on how this shakes down, what do we want to do, right? And, um, you know, you're going to have to pay for good players. Look, Tack McKinley is is here to be the third defensive end and revitalize his career. The Browns liked him in the draft four or five years ago when he came out. They tried to claim him three times last year, even though he was failing physicals with the teams that actually claimed him. Like, there's something there. What I'm trying to say is he still got almost $4 million. And, you know, even in an ideal world, you're probably only getting 20 snaps a game out of him. Like, you pay for pass rushers. So the number doesn't phase me. The Browns can do it. The cap is a credit card. You can pay for it sooner or later. You would love to only use that credit card on things that you that you need, right? But you have to use it on things you want and you need, and you have to make some decisions. Um, I, I am bothered by the injury history. I wonder – I always wonder – about a player on his fourth team in four years. I would yep. say this. Sheldon Richardson was on his third and three and has come in and has had two dominating seasons for the Browns. Has been a good citizen, has been all of those things. Right. And when he came in, this wasn't, you know, it, I guess it was the year that, that they had all the offseason hype, but they hadn't done anything to back it up to where now this team looked and they said, we still want Jadavian Clowney. And, and so again, like I said, I'm the last person to get caught up in what this signals or this relationship or all the things. Well, he said, Andrew Barry, you know, pursued him relentlessly. Um, the tea leaves say he didn't have another real offer. The fact that it's two weeks before the draft said that Andrew Barry, you can, maybe this is defined as relentless, told him you've got till this day to sign it or it's off the table. <laughs> and he said, let's go. And the Browns are happy as hell that he passed the physical and happy as hell to put him on the board and see where it goes. You know, that's exactly where I was going to go. Do you how, how much do you believe him when he says he knew when he left Cleveland the first time that this is where he was going to sign? How much do you think he really, truly actually wants to be here? And how much of this was it's 2 in the morning and the lights are coming on and he's got to find somebody to go home with? 
well, how much do I believe him is 0%. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine. You know, how much real? I, I don't know. Um, I thought it was interesting when he said players DM'd him. Like, he doesn't really know a bunch of the guys on this team. Yeah. You know, um, you know it does matter. And specifically in the NFL, free agency is so tough because guys not only uproot their families, they go play in different schemes. They go play for different teams where their whole routine to keep their body fresh and healthy is uprooted, right? Where their whole, what they're asked to do on second and third down is uprooted. Um, And everybody has good players. The Browns know they're getting a good one. They're gambling on greatness and they're gambling on durability. They're content to land on half a season, play well in the big games. They're content, I think, to land on half a season and free up miles, right? Um, You know, as for the percentages and what changed and what it all comes down to, I mean, yeah, look, I don't even think it needs to be five sacks to make that money back, to to make that money worth it, to make this ride worth it. You know, um, I don't know that the Browns are really there and ready to win the Super Bowl, but I do know that they – you can judge last year's experiences as all positive from a growing and maturing and evaluating standpoint. And you know, the glaring needs were on defense and now a month in and two weeks from the draft, they've had a really good off season where they've addressed needs and they added Jadavian Clowney. So like, again, the grade doesn't mean nothing now, but the grade's pretty strong to me. Well, for all the people who think I've just been poo-pooing this for a week and I'm against this and I'm down on the Browns and everything else, let me tell you my Super Bowl story. I, for Christmas this year, like a couple months ago, I bought a cruise for myself and my wife. And I I threaded the needle perfectly for, for February of 2022 between, I looked at the calendar and booked it for between the Super Bowl and between NBA All-Star Weekend coming to Cleveland so that I would be available to do both of those. And then the NFL went out and added a 17th game and pushed back the Super Bowl. So I went to my wife and said, remember that cruise to the Caribbean that I gave you for Christmas? I'm sorry, I have to take that back because the Super Bowl got pushed a week and the Browns might be in the Super Bowl. So that's how much I believe in the Browns this year. And, and where they could go, I went to my wife and faced, stared death in the eye, <laughs> saying, we have to move this cruise. And, and, and we are. And we're going to, I don't know, sometime in March now, probably we're going to do it. But I did all of this. I was so proud of myself that I like looked at the future, like looked at the schedule, looked at the calendar, planned all of this out, everything perfectly. And then the NFL went and just screwed me by adding the 17th week and pushing the Super Bowl back a week. Yeah, um, listen, I'm worried about that 17th week. I I don't think this is good for the league, good for the players, good for the product at all. Um, you know, and we'll see what happens. Jason, I think for the first time in a long time, the schedule matters. You know, you always have your challenges, your short weeks, whatever, and the Browns are going to have more of those um, because they're going to play national games. But I don't even mean that. I mean, I they need to see that bye week a lot closer to November 15th than October 15th to realistically have a chance, I think. Um, you know just, what? It's just hard. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because for his, you know, back in the old days when we were allowed to talk to players and be in locker rooms yeah. and stand face to face with people, 
you know, I talked to a number of veterans in the Browns locker room and would have been the 2019 season who all were pounding the desk about player safety and about, you know, holding out until, you know, going on strike or lockout until our needs are met until we get what we want. And then they folded like a card table and added a 17th game. It doesn't make any sense to me to hear the way that the players, and it is just one of 32 teams. I understand there's a lot of other players in the league, but you have to believe if the Browns were talking that way, then a number of other veterans on a number of other teams were talking that way. And to hear the way that they talked about how they want this, 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 and this in the negotiating table and player safety is important and we can't do this and we can't add games to all of a sudden to do the 180 and add the 17th game as quickly as they did without a second buy. I mean, I understand it's more money, but I don't understand how it shifted that quickly. Yeah, I just think it was a it was a swing and a miss to not just say, okay, we are in for this. And the reasons they were in for it were bigger rosters, more money for more players, right? Um, you know, more opportunity. They knew it was inevitable, but to not get the bye week, I just – I don't – I'll just say that the first time I ever talked to Sheldon Richardson on the record, he said Thursday night football should be abolished. Yep. Please fucking quote me on that. Yep. You know? yep. I remember that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so so we'll see. But it's going to be more and more. It, it, it's just and, – and you can't control it, right? Um, you can control how your team handles it. And, again, the Browns last year handled everything great, unprecedented times and adversity – and really the only poor game they played in the second half of the year is when they had their four, first four receivers taken away from them the day before the game and their left tackle taken away from them the morning of the game, right? So yeah. Yeah. in that regard, you say, okay, but you just don't know how it's going to go. And you want the best players. You want to have your guys, these blueprints and these plans and these big signings to, to glue it all together that you make here. You want to see it come to fruition. You know, the nature of football is it just doesn't. But man, it just look really silly, Jason, if, if good teams get to December healthy and then in that extra game or in that period of extra games, lose, lose key guys that burn. I mean, that could happen. It could happen to anyone. You can't plan for injuries, right? You just, you just can't, um, you know, before we get out of here, I think the off season overall has been good. I think the overall health and, and I mean, um, uh, actual health in terms of reports on, on injured guys being good and just, you know, everything being good. They kept the coaching staff together. Um, the scouting staff is in its second year, you know, of, of speaking the same language and being together for free agency for the draft, actually knowing the coaches that they're working with, being able to talk to them on what, what do we need? What are we looking for here? I think everything's good. So I think, you know, we all wait um, to see how this whole offseason program thing shakes out where, where veteran players are saying we're not coming. Obviously, the Browns would love the opportunity to open training camp to fans and enjoy the buzz and the excitement. And all of that, you know, we're probably a little bit short of, of being able to say that's going to happen because we're still at least a little bit short of saying a full training camp is going to happen. But look, the vibes are good. I, I probably would not be canceling my February 13th cruise. Um, but like too late, <laughs> they they belong in the discussion. They, they earned it last year. They played in big games. They won most of them that they needed to. They got in. They won a playoff game. They have they bring back the entire core of that team and what on paper looks to be a better defense. So for the first time in Denzel Ward's career, he gets to play for the same defensive coordinator two years in a row. For the That's first cool. time in Baker's career, he gets to play in the same system two years in a row. Like these are things that should lead to organic growth. 
and 11 and 5 or even 11 and 6, it ain't easy, folks. It's not, and it's never going to be, even when you're really, really good. But the ingredients to do it again, to navigate, to handle it, and then to beat the teams you're supposed to beat and win big prizes are there. So, um, you know, I say the excitement's valid. And, uh, you know, in a few months, let's see what happens. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. You know, let's get to football. Uh, I'm curious to see what the offseason program looks like, if there is one. And it's it's funny to me that spring practices are going on as scheduled on the college level. And the NFL is saying, nope, we will see you in August and not until. Well, um, I, I, one thing on that, though, the, the guys are on campus. You know, the NFL players are all across the country um yeah in in different things and have different things going on so i get what you're saying <laughs> um but i i also get totally what jc treader is saying and that's that we have data that's telling you concussions are down other injuries were down we got the season off as well as anyone could have anticipated playing through it right like why would we go back and and, and i don't i think even though Lee will argue and will push back I think his points are really valid. Do you think we'll ever go back to the way that it was with OTAs and, and spring ball? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, and frankly, I think to the rookies, um, it means more their orientation part of it. Hell, just the rookie mini camp to the, to the guys that evaluate it for bottom of the roster, which is going to mean more than ever now that you're adding an extra game. Right. So there are elements to it that are important. Will it ever go back to full? The players show up and on April fourteenth and are there for nine weeks. You know, I don't know um, about that. I think the result of the next three weeks might be telling on that. Yeah, but I totally uh, am team trainer on this one. I really am. Do we have to hit in April to be ready in September? Yeah, well, see, they don't realistically hit. It's supposed to be completely non-contact, but. Yeah, do we really need to be on the field and putting our knees and ankles through that? Um, it's a great question, and, and I think they have data that says no, that we don't. So, um, you know, the little bit awkward thing is then how do you launch camp? Because you need the acclimation period, right? And last week, last year it was two weeks, and everything was awkward because it was the first time guys were going through the full testing. Um, it was especially awkward to the Browns because they hadn't met, you know, everything they had done had been virtual. You know, what will the extent of the testing that's necessary be by the time this late July rolls around? I don't know. I mean, you're seeing things that everybody in the building is going to have to be vaccinated or they're not going to be allowed to be in the building. Um, so th- so that's a part of it, too. But I just think it's about the wear and tear and the veteran players saying, hey, we know how fortunate we are to have made it this far because it's so hard in this league and every snap could be your last. So why in the world would we even need to put a helmet on on May 15th and be out there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, are we doing another pod before the draft? That's probably a question I should ask when we're not recording. Well, but, eh. you know, it's it's an interesting one. Um, you know, up until the last 48 hours, the Browns have been quiet. I think quiet's good. Um, you know, we could. Uh, you know, when the Browns are at 26, I think it's a lot more hot air even than usual that you and I would yeah. share. Um, yeah. In waiting on that, we might be best served as far as quality of product to wait until we got some actual – Results, okay, so then, but, uh, so then, let me ask you one question on the draft, and and that will make us that not have to do a draft one. <laughs> does the, <laughs> does the, does today change at all their focus at twenty six? 
does it free up? You know, I was talking to Dane Brugler uh, yesterday about this, and and uh, you know, Dane on his mock that released this week had the Browns taking Greg Newsom, defensive back from Northwestern, cornerback, and and he said that he didn't really think that the Clowney signing would would impact where they go at twenty six. So I'll put it to you: Do you think now? that this will change their direction, if at all, will they, will, do, will they move out? Do they move out of the first round and try and get a pick for next year? Do they, I don't think that they would move up, but you, I guess you never know. Could they even surprise everybody and go offense now that, they, that they've that they met so many of their needs uh, on the defensive side of the ball? No, I, I, would, I would be stunned if they were going offense. And though I would say there's probably a percentage, 10 to 20, maybe 30, greater that this opens up some flexibility in terms of positions or trades, as you mentioned. Um, I don't think it significantly changes the draft plan at all because if the rusher you really want or really believe in is, is there at 26 and there are reasons for some of these guys to not believe in, at least in terms of picking that high, um, then you, then you take them still. Whereas even if, if there was a corner that, you know, has the the length and the athleticism and the brains you want, you were probably still taking him at 26 too. Um, so, you know, did it, did I go from 95% thinking they were going to start corner and defensive end in some order to maybe that being 80%? Sure. Um, well, but, uh, I'd be a lot less or, you know, significantly less surprised if they do trade up or down a little bit. Yes, but I, I still think they could take a defensive end in the first round because you're, the kid you're taking is going to be 20 or 21 years old right? and you know going to need seasoning and experience anyway. Um, yep. So we'll see. And who better that, to learn from than the guys, you know, and yeah. I'd even put Jadavian in there I mean, as, a, as a veteran mentor, him and, and Miles Garrett. Who better to teach than those right. guys? The state of the receiver group is fascinating because you're obviously counting on Odell and paying him a lot. You're counting on Jarvis and he's delivered a lot and you pay him a lot. But realistically, the only guy under contract, or, or at least in terms of guarantees after this year, is Donovan Peoples-Jones, who you really like, but has done it in about a four-game sample and just turned 22 years old, right? Yeah. So in a loaded receiver draft, you know, knowing you want to keep investing in your offense, how early do you go? Um, and that's, why I guess, what I meant when I said, could they go offense? I was thinking yeah, receiver. Not in the it would round. shock me. It would shock yeah. me if they did that. But, hey. Right. No, never say it, never, I guess. Listen, you know, drafting a 26 is new to, to us on the outside and to them on the inside. Drafting as a good team is new to us on the outside and the inside, right? Yeah. Um, all of this is new. Like I said, I I go back to, I trust Andrew Barry. They're not going to be perfect. They know what they're doing. They know what they believe in. And they should only benefit from keeping the same people having the communication open, having honest evaluations of what's going on and trying to roll that forward rather than starting again every year. So, you know, they like Richard Higgins. It costs them almost nothing to bring him back. I think that's an important piece. They like Jarvis Landry. How much are they going to love Jarvis at his cap number a year from now? I don't know. You know, Odell's not going anywhere right now because nobody else has taken him. They believe in him. And the pass offense didn't take off last year till, till he was gone. What are their real expectations for him? I don't know. You know, we'll see. I think he can be a difference maker. 
Based on what I've seen, I can't sit here and say he will be a difference maker. So it's interesting. I mean, I, I go back to last training camp, watching a couple times Peoples Jones run across the field and snagging a pass that's four yards above his head and behind him. And I'm like, oh my goodness. You know, then he was like not dressing on game day. Then all of a sudden he was making huge plays with, with no off season. You know, his college production was nothing. So you might be really be sitting on one there, but you don't know until you get back right. out there. So it's super interesting guys. Thank you for listening, for reading, um, you know, the engagement, the interaction with, with our tweets and with the Browns articles has been good. And obviously we hope that all the time, but we, Really hope it now as, as the team appears to have turned the corner and excitement ramps up. So thank you guys for that. Stick with us. Tell a friend. Um, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to The Athletic. Jason, you got any last thoughts? Goodbye. All right. Well. Um, <laughs> That's it. I'm done. <laughs> Jason is going to the Super Bowl next year. I'm not so sure I am, but we're, we're, we got about nine months to talk through it. So we're glad that you guys will be with us. For Jason, I'm Zach. Talk to you next time on Civilized Park. Thank <laughs> you.